Welcome in to Outkick the Show. I am your fearless leader, Clay Travis. I hope all of you are having fantastic Thursdays. Uh, we are live right now. We're going to do uh, the uh, fade with Kelly in Vegas at Kelly Stewart. It'll be up later this afternoon. It'll get you ready for the NFL and the college football weekend to come. That is going to be uh, up a little bit later, but this is the regular Outkick the Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. We are going to have a fabulous show here um, as we get ready to roll into the football weekend. Um, and uh, I'm going to start with tonight's NFL game. Again, we'll have a bigger breakdown for you on the fade. Uh, but I like, look, uh, I like the Bucks tonight uh, going up against the Bills. Thursday night football, NFL week eight in action. Um, I think it's probably going to be a low scoring game. The numbers all the way out as I speak to you right now and I'm checking the line. Numbers all the way out to nine and a half. I'll talk about this in greater detail with you a little bit later. Uh, but I like the Bucks plus nine and a half. I'm not sold on the Bills. They haven't been consistent. Other than the performance that they put forward where they just dominated the Dolphins, the Bills have been very mediocre for me. They shouldn't have lost to the Jets. They were fortunate to get past the Giants. The offense doesn't seem to be firing on all cylinders right now. I just think this is too big of a number. The Bucs haven't been awful under Baker Mayfield. Uh, I think they'll be competitive. Let me go ahead and give you, uh, by the way, all of my NFL picks right off the top, and then we got a bunch of other stories to dive into. Um, I've got the Bucs plus eight and a half, uh, sorry, plus nine and a half, as I just mentioned, Thursday night football. These are the numbers. These are out up on OutKick. They're going to be out, I believe, every single Tuesday or Wednesday. I'm not sure officially when they posted them, but they've been up for a while. I've got the Colts. I think they beat the Saints. I've got the Jags uh, to beat Pittsburgh. I got them at two and a half. Not sure where this line is right now. Dolphins as big favorites against the Patriots. I bet them at nine and a half. Falcons, Titans, I'm on the under 37. I think it's going to be a really low-scoring, ugly defensive struggle. Uh, I've got the Vikings minus one against the Packers. And I, this was before any of the news was out uh, about Brock Purdy and his health for the 49ers. But I bet the Bengals plus five and a half. This is the second quarterback that I've had that potentially is going to miss uh, substantial games in my high-end fantasy football league. I had Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, that didn't go well. I've now got Brock Purdy. It appears he may be out with a concussion. I hope he's back. Uh, but I like the Bengals even before we knew what the 49ers' health condition was in that particular universe. Uh, I want to start. Uh, so those are my uh, that's my Outkick NFL six pack. It's up on Outkick.com if you want to go check it out. And by the way, we're a little bit over 527 and 26. Uh, on the year when it comes to NFL picks. Uh, Riley Gates, super talented, uh, super smart, uh, super hardworking, outkick employee. She does a lot of things, but she's traveling all over the country speaking, and she's got a crazy opinion. Uh, her opinion is women's athletics should be made up of women. Uh, and I can't believe this is considered controversial. If you had told me when I started talking about and writing about sports 19 years ago, my first articles about sports went up in the fall of 2004. So I have been active on the information superhighway on the internet for 19 years now. Nearly a generation of, uh, of life 
you've been able to get online and go read whatever your boy had to say about anything in the world of sports. If you had told me in 2004, Clay Travis, we're going to jump into the time machine, we're going to go ahead to the 2020s, it's going to be controversial if you say women's athletics should be made up of only women. And there's going to be a big subset of people out there that say, hey, if men decide they want to identify as women, they should be able uh, to do so. And they should be able to be crowned as women's champions. And the NCAA women's swimming champion might be a dude. I would have said, you're crazy. There's no way on earth that that's ever going to be possible. Yet, here we are. So all Riley Gaines does is go around and say, hey, this is crazy. Hey, I think women's uh, sports should be made up of women's athletes. This is not a crazy proposition. Men are bigger, stronger, and faster than women. In fact, there's a video of me that went viral. I think a million people have watched it. Uh, and uh, and I retweeted and I shared it where I said, hey, I think talented men's high school basketball players, that is state champion men's high school basketball players, would beat the WNBA champions. I think at least 25 states could have a boys high school basketball champion beat the WNBA champ. And people are like, no, some people are. A lot of people are like, yeah, you know what, Clay, you're right. A lot of people are like, no, you're crazy. No, I'm right. Because men are bigger, stronger, and faster than women. Every boy who won a Texas high school sprinting championship statewide in the most recent Texas state high school championships is faster than the fastest woman in the history of the world. This blows people's minds. Facts matter. Every high school age boy in the state of Texas that won a statewide, whatever it is, 3A, 4A, whatever the highest level is, championship, is faster in their sprinting competition than the fastest woman has ever been in the history of the Olympics. That's kind of a big deal. High school boys in Texas winning state championships in track are faster than the fastest woman who has ever existed in the history of the world. And the 15 and under Dallas, Texas boys beat the U.S. women's soccer team, the world champion for women, as they got ready for the 2019 World Cup 5-2. These are not the best 15-year-old boys in the nation. These are the best 15-year-old boys in Dallas, Texas. They beat the U.S. women 5-2 in a soccer match head-to-head. Not 17-year-olds, not 18-year-olds, not even nationwide, just the best 15-year-old boys in Dallas, Texas. They were better than the best women. doesn't mean that women's athletes don't work hard and don't deserve to be champions. It just is providing evidence of why men's and women's athletics are separated. Men are bigger, stronger, and faster than women in all athletic competitions. And so the idea that a man should be able to identify as a uh, woman and win a women's championship, to me, it's actually the height of the patriarchy. A dude can be a dude his whole life and then to decide to become a woman and be a woman's athlete of the year and be a women's champion? This is crazy. 
So Riley Gaines going around saying, hey, as a SEC championship swimmer at the University of Kentucky, I think that we should have men's sports and I think we should have women's sports. And it's considered so controversial for her to speak out on this that the company Eventbrite will not even allow her events to be hosted on their website. Meanwhile, they've been allowing all these different Hamas-supporting events to be ticketed. And so last night, like this founder got in the uh, got in my uh, my mentions and outkick mentions, and he was saying all sorts of crazy stuff. And I just keep coming back to, I can't believe that we live in a world where a Riley Gaines event is not allowed to be ticketed because there's fear of the trans community. And my question for all of you out there would just be, if the trans community is so powerless, how come they're so powerful? How come so many people are terrified of offending the trans community such that simply saying men's sports should be made up of men and women's sports should be made up of women is considered to be unacceptable and they won't even allow the event to be organized. Now, I'll talk about this in the context of free speech. I think a company like Eventbrite should allow any legal uh, uh, the event to be advertising on their uh, on their site, right? You should be able to get tickets for anything. I don't agree with it, but if you want to have a pro-Hamas pro-Palestine protest in the United States. I think you should be able to do that as long as you're not advocating for criminal behavior in the United States. I don't agree with you. And look, this is what free speech absolutism means. I don't agree with Nazis. If Nazis want to march and have a protest in the United States, I think they should be allowed to do so. I think that all political speech so long as it is not accompanied by calls for violence, right, should be able to exist in the marketplace of ideas. What does it say that Outkicks Riley Gaines is not able to actually have an event organized through Eventbrite because they are afraid of her incredibly toxic, inflammatory, controversial opinion that women's athletics should be made up of women? I mean, it's just crazy. I would have never believed that we would ever end up in a place like this. And that builds on the next point here. A guy named Leon Cooperman. He is a billionaire. He was on, I believe it was Fox Business earlier today. And he has donated $50 million, he says, to Columbia. One of Columbia's professors allegedly said that the Hamas terror attack that killed 1,400 Jews was awesome. And Leon Cooperman said, hey, I think you should fire this guy. And Columbia said no. And so he says he's going to stop giving money to Columbia and donate his money elsewhere. I think that's the right call. I don't think that any college student should be expelled from college for a political opinion, even if it's an offensive opinion. As long as you are not putting people in direct threat or encouraging direct violence, we talked about this yesterday, I believe GW should strongly condemn the stupidity of saying glory to our martyrs on a Holocaust survivor's named library in the center of GW's campus. I disagree with it. 
And right after that, we'll continue the discussion. But first, a momentary break. I don't believe the kids should be expelled. But I do believe that wealthy alums, and I would put myself in the category of a wealthy alum of George Washington University, I'm not going to donate any money to them until I see statements made by the administration repudiating in a, in a strident manner what those kids are saying. I don't believe in expelling students. I do believe, and I think it's a more difficult question, why should you pay money to a professor who says that the Hamas terror attacks were awesome? I think that professor should have the right to say that in the United States. I wouldn't want to employ somebody at OutKick who said that. My personal opinion. I'm not saying you can't say it. I wouldn't want to employ somebody at OutKick. I wouldn't want to pay for my children to go and sit in a classroom taught by that guy. Now, if he wants to start his own school, I don't have any problem with it. I think that's a tougher call. Um, But students, I wouldn't. I think academic freedom for individual students, but paying someone and protecting them for having truly, in my opinion, uh, uh, awful opinions about encouraging uh, and endorsing terror attacks and saying they're awesome, I think that's a real challenge. Um, and the, the one reason why I'm not inclined to fire people is because I don't like setting the precedent of, hey, you can have an opinion that gets you fired from a college campus because I think it'll be applied more frequently on people of right of center, right? But I do think it's uh, I do think it's interesting to discuss. I think pre- precedent and principle matter. Um, and I think the easiest way to address what you think should happen uh, is by choosing or not choosing uh, to donate your money to universities which have what you think are the right responses uh, in cases of endorsement of, I think, venal acts. And that brings me to an interesting video that was shared, and maybe we can cut this uh, and put it in for the short-form version of this discussion. A group calling out Major League Baseball, the NFL, and the NBA for their association with Black Lives Matter over many different BLM outlets supporting the murder of Jews and celebrating the atrocities perpetrated by Hamas. I think they raised a really interesting question. Why Major League Baseball, the NFL, and the NBA continue to be associated with Black Lives Matter, which is a Marxist organization that believes in identity politics and I think has been very destructive to many different minority lives all across the country. If you look at the data, purely data-based analysis, the more active BLM has been in a community, the more the murder rate has gone up and the more innocent black lives have been lost. And remember back at the height of the Black Lives Matter movement in 2020, they were firing people for saying all lives matter. You weren't 
even allowed to say all lives matter. Remember, the Sacramento Kings fired Grant Napier, their longtime voice of the Sacramento Kings, for merely tweeting all lives matter. That was considered to be derogatory and unacceptable speech. If you just said, instead of Black Lives Matter, all lives matter. And I do believe Major League Baseball uh, in the NBA and the NFL should reconsider. Remember, remember, friggin' the NBA put Black Lives Matter on the court and wrote Black Lives Matter slogans on the back of player jerseys. I mean, this is craziness. The NBA, by the way, still hasn't recovered from this. The NBA ratings still stink because a lot of people said, yeah, I'm done with this. This was crazy talk. Um, and it's continued to be crazy talk going forward even from now. Uh, all right. I'm fired up about this. So get your popcorn. I am reading... So all the misinformation and disinformation people out there, I am going to cite directly, old man style, the actual newspaper article that I am citing from. All right? This is today's print edition of the New York Times National Edition. Okay? I am an old man. I read print newspapers I'm probably going to read print newspapers until I can no longer get them delivered to my house. I was making fun of myself. I was in Washington, D.C. last week. I went walking all over the place trying to find somewhere where I could buy print newspapers. Uh, It's gotten increasingly difficult. When I was a college kid at GW, I used to read my, my, my college roommates to make fun of me for it even back then because it was still an old man thing to do when I was like 18 and 19, I would read the New York Times, the Washington Post, USA Today, and the Wall Street Journal cover to cover every day. They would give them away in our dorm because they were trying to encourage young kids to read newspapers. I might have been the only kid at GW who would read every print newspaper. You put a print newspaper in front of me, I would read all four of them every day. I still read two every day. Drives my wife crazy now. She hates seeing newspapers stacked up all over our house. The reason why I do it is because I read things that I would otherwise not have seen if I only was active on social media. I like a print newspaper. I like the serendipity of it. I also enjoy seeing how editors decide what stories they think matter the most. Front page stories, obviously, are the most important. This story was buried on page A17 of the New York Times. And I am reading from a New York Times headline article which says, two COVID vaccines may slightly elevate stroke risk for some. I don't know if you can zoom in on this, but I want the disinformation and the misinformation and all all the people out there to be able to see this, okay? Uh, In particular, I'm going to share you a little bit of information about older people who got the COVID shots. But I want to read primarily about what is buried in this article surrounding young kids. Um, Officials, and I'm reading directly from the newspaper, officials in the United States first noted a possible association 
about a year ago between the COVID shot and strokes. At the time, data from the Vaccine Safety Data Link suggested Americans aged 65 or older might be at increased risk of anisemic stroke, and I'm probably mispronouncing that, which interrupts blood supply to the brain within 21 days of getting the Pfizer COVID shot offered last fall. Okay? In a new study, and I'm reading directly from this report, researchers at the FDA and the Centers for Medicare, da 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 looked at all of the uh, all of the analysis, and when federal researchers broke down the data, they found an increased risk of stroke among those who were 85 years or older who got the COVID shot, and in those 65 to 74 who got the uh, Moderna shot. Okay? We told old people, go get the COVID shot. It will make you safer. There are no dangers. The reality actually was you were more likely to get a stroke, according to this data, if you were 65 to 74 and you got the Moderna uh, vaccine, and if you were over 85 and you got the Pfizer shot. So people who were elderly and were at the greatest amount of risk from COVID were actually at a far more statistically dangerous uh, risk for strokes, okay? Strokes kind of a serious. Um, if you got the COVID and the flu shot, you had a 20, at these age ranges, you had a 20% increase in the risk of strokes with the Pfizer shot and a 35% uh, risk in the Moderna bivalent shot. This is a bit that's that's a lot, right? 20% increase and a 35% increase. And you're saying, okay, what kind of strokes are these? These are blood supply strokes that interrupt the brain. Looks like I don't I'm not an expert in blood supply. Blood supply being interrupted to the brain and causing a stroke sounds like basically the worst kind of stroke. 20% increase for Pfizer, 35% increase with Moderna. That's a big deal, okay? Again, I'm reading from this. Now, I'm going to pivot to younger people because older people had a higher risk for COVID in general. I've been saying this for years. The data reflected it okay. Kids, virtually 0% risk. Years ago, I went and talked at my school board. Your kid is more likely to drown than he or she was to die from COVID. You were more likely to die, your kid was, driving them to school than you were from COVID, right? Kids had nearly a 0% risk. They are now comfortably, finally, releasing the data on what the COVID shots did for young kids. Experts said, 
this is a quote directly from this article, said they were not surprised or concerned by findings regarding seizures among COVID-vaccinated children. That's an actual paragraph. I don't know about you. I'm concerned when I hear that my kid might have a seizure. I'm not an expert, but if you told me, hey, your kid got the COVID shot and then he or she had a seizure, that's a really big deal to me. And and I'm reading directly from the New York Times. The analysis confirmed a previously observed risk of uncommon heart problems after the Pfizer COVID shot in children aged 12 to 17. And I want to clip this, and I want to directly address Travis Kelsey right now. Travis Kelsey, you are being paid millions of dollars to try to encourage people to get the Pfizer COVID shot. They're running this ad all day long during college football and NFL games. You can't watch a game without seeing an ad for the Pfizer COVID shot. Data confirms that there is a risk of uncommon heart problems after the Pfizer COVID shot in kids age 12 to 17. I bet, Travis Kelsey, you would not encourage kids 12 to 17 to smoke cigarettes. You are famous, and Pfizer is paying you millions of dollars to try to get kids to get a shot that actually creates uncommon heart problems in them while providing virtually no protection from an illness and a virus that offers them statistically zero risk. How can you in good conscience, how can the NFL, how can the Kansas City Chiefs in good conscience allow Travis Kelsey to advertise a product to kids that could create uncommon heart problems from a shot that they have no business or statistical data to support getting in the first place? Travis Kelsey you should be ashamed of yourself for taking millions of dollars for a product to encourage kids to get that actually provides them no benefit and creates uncommon heart problems among many of them that get the shot indefensible. And by the way, if we had an honest media, the next time Travis Kelsey is doing a press conference, someone would ask him why he's comfortable taking millions of dollars to encourage young kids who look up to him to get a shot that can create uncommon health problems in kids age 12 to 17. Here's another part of this article, and again, I'm reading from the New York Times. The study also detected a small rise in the incidence of seizures and convulsions after the Moderna or Pfizer tech shots, but it's okay, kids, because it's only among children aged 2 to 5. Let me read that again. This is a direct paragraph from the New York Times today. The study also detected a small rise in the incidence of seizures and convulsions after the Moderna or Pfizer biotech shots, 
but only among children age 2 to 5. Kids age 2 to 5 had seizures and convulsions after they had the Moderna and the Pfizer shot. Kids age 2 to 5 had a statistically 0% chance of dying from COVID. I've raised, fortunately, three young kids that are now past the age of five. I can tell you, a two-year-old having a seizure or convulsions because of a choice that a parent was encouraged to give their kid the COVID shot, I wouldn't be able to sleep at night if I had given the COVID shot to my two- or five-year-old, two- to five-year-old, and they had had seizures and they had had convulsions. If we had not given, as a country, Pfizer and Moderna complete immunity from these shots, the companies would be bankrupt now because plaintiff lawyers would have sued them into oblivion. We guaranteed Pfizer and Moderna tens of billions of dollars in taxpayer-funded guaranteed profits for shots that caused, in the words of actual FDA now, uncommon heart problems in kids 12 to 17, in uh, seizures and convulsions in kids age 2 to 5. This is indefensible what we have done. We also gave these shots to people that saw them, if you're elderly, a 20% increase in the risk of stroke with the Pfizer shot and a 35% increase in the risk from the Moderna shot. The elderly and the young, the people that we most try to protect, were totally and completely harmed by these shots. And in particular, the young who had no statistical benefit from this at all. This paragraph also exists, and it got me so fired up. Oh, the New York Times finally gets around to saying this. Children are at much smaller risk of COVID than older adults. So many parents have opted not to vaccinate them. Hold on. Yes, many parents opted not to get them the COVID shot. But your government lectured parents out there and tried to terrify them that their kids were going to die if they didn't get them the COVID shot. This is unacceptable. There's been no consequences for these shots failing for these shots harming teenagers 12 to 17, for the convulsions and seizures caused in kids 2 to 5. This is, I think, one of the great tragedies of my life, what we did as a country trying to mandate these Moderna and Pfizer shots. And Travis Kelsey, you should be ashamed of yourself. Dr. Fauci, you should be ashamed of yourself. Joe Biden, all of these so-called experts who refused to look at the data and tried to mandate these shots for both adults, the elderly, and kids thoroughly and disgracefully unacceptable. Facts matter. I'm always going to share them no matter who gets mad about it. 
This has been Outkick the Show. I'm super fired up about this as a parent and as a citizen. Moderna and Pfizer should be bankrupted over this. It's inexcusable. This has been Outkick the Show. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP.